You're listening to The Whole Church Podcast. Our efforts to educate and unite the church are made possible thanks to our sponsors on Patreon. Please consider joining them for $3 a month at patreon.com forward slash the whole church podcast, where you'll get tons of bonus content, as well as extra discounts to our upcoming convention, the Every Tribe, Denomination, and Tongue Convention in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, May 11th through 13th. Acts 17 verses 22 through 31 the Christian Standard Bible read, Paul stood in the middle of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that you are extremely religious in every aspect. For as I was passing through and observing the objects of your worship, I even found an altar on which was inscribed to an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in shrines made by hands, neither is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives everyone life and breath and all things. From one man he has made every nationality to live over the whole earth, and has determined their appointed times and the boundaries of where they live. He did this so that they might seek God, and perhaps they might reach out and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Since, then, we are God's offspring, we shouldn't think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, an image fashioned by human art and imagination. Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God now commands all people everywhere to repent, because he has sent a day when he is going to judge the world in righteousness by the man he has appointed. He has provided proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. Here, St. Paul shows a thorough knowledge and understanding of the religion of Athens, and he uses that to witness to the people and attempt to convert them to followers of Christ. Brandon, what can we learn about how we should relate to people of other religions today by St. Paul's example in this story? I think part of this shows that um, we need to not be ignorant I think a lot of times when it comes to this idea of talking about other religions, it's often solely from the perspective of, and this is what you need to know in order to convert that person. And obviously that was Paul, part of what Paul was trying to do. He was trying to eventually move the conversation to the gospel, but it, Paul's a smart guy. He was a Pharisee. He was a very educated person. So my assumption would be that Paul knew what he was talking about. Paul spent time with these people. Paul listened to the philosophers talking about their gods and their point of view. So I think for us today, that shows that we need to know more than just the five right answers to lead somebody to Jesus, but to actually like devote ourselves to studying and listening to the voices of other people from different religions. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Whole Church Podcast, potentially your favorite church unity podcast. I am Joshua Knoll. I'm one of your hosts. And um, the, the reason they allow me on here is, is to explain to you all who who you're really going to hear speak, who the real host of the show is. He, he is the man, the myth, the legend, the one who is responsible for the term rock star being founded. The one and only TJ Tiberius on Blackwell, the rock star. How's it going? You're muted very well clearly i am the world's greatest host 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, in- indeed, indeed. And and we are joined by by a collection because if you didn't know, this is the round table episode. I love these. These are fun. We have the Knight of the Round Table, the host of My Seminary Life, your favorite seminary student and guy with a cool beard, Brandon Knight. Hello. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, I, I added guy with a cool beard because I forgot to say traveling preacher. And I just knew there was another thing I was supposed to say. I mean, cool beard works, too. I'm kind of working on the dad stash now. Also, you, I, I guess I should correct you on one thing. I'm done oh. with school. So I'm not really the You're seminary student. I finished my last class, so I'm not really the seminary oh, student anymore. So graduation's not till May, but it, so let the record man, show. If, if we weren't too cheap for a soundboard, we would have applause going right now. That's that's awesome. I thought you had another <laughs> I mean, month. <laughs> the way that you describe TJ, you need to play like Hulk Hogan's theme song in the background <laughs> when, you, when you introduce him. Yeah. Yeah. I always like I'm always tempted to just switch over to like a wrestler announcer voice in this corner is the greatest being known to this dimension. It's a really good macho man, Randy Savage. (laughs) Thanks. Uh, Also, other guests we have today, we have Christian Ashley of Systematic Geekology fame, as well as. I mean, I thought by adding that other thing would it give me time to remember your other podcast. What, what <laughs> it's okay. There's only three episodes out. It's the Let Nothing Move You podcast. The Let Nothing Move You podcast. Check it out on Spotify, Anchor, all those good things. He's also, well, he he's the only one now, I guess, who's still a seminary student. Man, you're behind, Christian. How, does, how do you uh, feel? Very behind. <laughs> but you know what? Slow and steady wins the race. Right. Hey, if it helps, I haven't even started. <laughs> <laughs> it took me two tries, if that helps. Yeah. And, and we're joined by the one who's ahead of us all, who, who's a teacher and already has a doctorate, the one and only uh, Nathan Gilmore, host of the Christian Humanist Profile. How's it going, Nathan? Going pretty well. I have not been a seminary student for 21 years now. Man, yeah. And, and it's because I graduated, not because they uh, got around <laughs> to kicking me out. I, I beat them to the punch. Yeah, so Brandon's got 21 years of podcasting to catch up. So, oof, good luck. <laughs> that's that's almost as long as I haven't been a seminary student. <laughs> well, nice, <done>. nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, phenomenal. So, thank you. If you're listening, uh, please consider checking out our convention website in the description below. Use code Hole for 40 percent off of checkout. We have a lot of cool stuff over there, and uh, if you Support us on Patreon. You can get it for 60% off. That's a crazy discount. Think about the money you'll save. Get your ticket for our convention. And you can also check out all the bonus segments we do. We record them after almost every show. And it's just some fun extra stuff you get to listen to for a low cost. Yeah, low cost is tight. Also, today's episode, we're going to be discussing how Christians and the church together in unity should be addressing other religions in our local communities and how we should relate to them. But before we do, we like to do a spiritual practice here. That's uh, that's actually really difficult. It is the most challenging and productive spiritual practice there is for Christian unity. And that is of course, silliness where I will be asking a silly question. Yeah. If you had to fight either the Yeti Sasquatch or the Chupacabra, which would you choose? No, I, I'll go last. 
Brandon. <laughs> Me? Uh, I'm going to choose, I thought about this all day, I would like to choose the Chupacabra. One, because I think he would be scrappy. And two, once the fight is over, I would really like to team up with him and take over the professional wrestling scene as a tag team together. So I think we would do great. Both wearing luchador masks. Man. Bold of you to assume you'd survive. Christian. <laughs> well, for some similar reasons, I'm also choosing the Chupacabra because I believe that I can take it on a little better than a giant hominid from a past era, uh, whether it's from the Everest or not, that is a lot bigger than me and a lot stronger than me and could tear me apart within two seconds flat. All right. Fair enough. Nathan. I should have volunteered to go first because I'm also going to say Chupacabra. Surely on weight class, <laughs> surely on basis of weight class, um, you know, Chupacabra, most sightings, you're looking at maybe a six foot, seven foot quadruped. You're looking at maybe 250, 300 pounds. If I were fighting for my life, I could probably move that kind of body mass. Uh, a Sasquatch or a Yeti, you're talking more like 400 to 900 pounds. There's just, I'm, I'm not going to be able to do anything to an animal that big, so... Uh, Chupacabra, just on the uh, outside chance that the uh, roulette wheel hits my number. Plus, with so. the Yeti, my entire frame of reference is Monsters, Inc., and I'm not going to fight that guy. <laughs> He's super nice. <laughs> Honestly, that's part of what I was thinking, too. The other reason I will not choose the Yeti is because no matter who you fight of these three, you're dead. And I don't want my body to be found in the South or North Pole or whatever, Antarctica, wherever the Yeti's at. Himalayas. I don't want them Himalayas, to find my body. Come on. There. Do we need I to have another little... cryptozoology episode on systematic well, let's, ecology? Let's, so let's be a little bit rigorous yeah. with our cryptids. I despise the cold. I'm not That's going anywhere near the Yeti. I will never be near that thing. Um, the Chupacabra, we went to a horror house about the Chupacabra last October. Make sure you get I all saw what it does to there. bodies. The guts are ripped out all over the place. I mean, it's not a pretty image. I don't want that to happen to me. If I'm going to die, I want to die in America. I'm choosing the Sasquatch. Hey, yeah. uh, buddy, uh, Puerto Rico is a part of America. It may not be a state. No, nope. oh. it's a territory. Shots fired. Uh, you Shots know what? Fired. Isn't it Chupacabra in Mexico, though? Also in Puerto Rico. <laughs> Yeah, the sightings originated in Puerto oh. Rico have since then come across Central America Listen. and the Southern Listen. United States, which you would know if you got yourself educated. Well, also, there might be a Yeti in Alaska. So when I say America, I mean like mainland USA. That's uh, where oh, I So the go. South in is fact, part of America. If the Sasquatch Texas? would agree to meet me in Disney World, that, that would be fine. Texas, Arizona, New Mexico. That's fine. Yeah. This is actually because of our, our episode that Christian... <laughs> reference with the uh what was cryptozoologist crypto oh nice. yes anyway anyway I, i'm yeah. choosing the chubacabra as well why you're welcome <laughs> why tj uh it's smaller it's weaker uh there's like you're a 60 percent chance it's just a rabid coyote it's just a rabid you're still coyote. gonna die <laughs> i'm not i'm absolutely not gonna die to a coyote <laughs> okay Whatever. I'm dying in America. You guys have fun and wherever. <laughs> so, uh, for the actual episode, now that we're. I don't know. Past, maybe we should stay on this a little longer. Maybe we should just talk about cryptozoology. <laughs> what do you guys yeah. think about Molecular Gabe? <laughs> anyway. Oh, man. Uh, so, last round table, Reverend Shana Watson mentioned that more Christians should visit either a synagogue or a mosque. Uh, Josh. Would you like to explain to the listeners 
why it would be beneficial for us to do something like that. Yeah, I, I've actually have visited both a synagogue and a mosque. Not for the reasons that she was saying. Mine were more curiosity. What happens in this place? <laughs> I had no noble cause behind mine at all. <laughs> I was just curious. But I, I do think understanding other people's religions has unique value. Um, I know of missionaries who use the Quran only to prove Jesus to people. You know, I know of like, for me personally, a lot of what strengthened my faith in college, you know, when you're questioning all this is learning about Buddhism. You know, Buddhism teaches all life is suffering, all of the non-attachment stuff, which reminds me of my faith and how, yeah, that's right. Without this God piece, all life is suffering. <laughs> if I don't learn to let go of things, my life is ruined. So I, I think it's valuable to help you understand your own beliefs from a different perspective. But I also think it's helpful to understand who you're witnessing to, how you're witnessing. I mean, going back to that verse with Paul, even he was only able to have that sermon that you talked about because he knew the religion of the Romans. And, you know, when he talks about being Jew to the Jews, you know, a lot of times we just overlook that of, well, there was a racial divide between Jews and Gentiles. There's also a religious aspect that Paul's talking about there of understanding the Jews religion. Paul did not believe a lot of the different types of Judaism. And yet we see in the book of Acts, he shaves his head bald and does this whole like ritual that he doesn't believe in just to honor other people who do believe in that so that he's able to show them more about who Christ is. So I think there is even a level of doing different practices to show people that, hey, we respect you because you're a human. Hear me out. Let me tell you what I believe. So I think there's this level of respect. I mean, we talked about last week, I think it was, of when you defend your testimony, do it with, um, what, what was it? Reverence and um, something. There was another word. Wish I could tell you what it was. Bacon. It's in Peter. Yeah. With, with reverence and bacon. When you offer bacon first, people believe Jesus a lot quicker. Yeah. Makes That's results. My answer. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So we were in John... In John 14, 6, Jesus makes this claim. He says that he's the way, the truth, and the life. That he, There's no other way to the Father except for through him. So when we're talking about other religions, we have to go back to this. Jesus makes some bold claims that he is the only answer. How do we understand that in context of this conversation? Christian. Well, this is the mic drop to end all mic drops as far as Jesus is concerned. He's the only way. We don't have to worry about anything else. However, that doesn't mean we can't learn something from how another person uh, chooses to go about their religion, to uh, their rituals, through how they have reverence to a God that doesn't exist versus how we should show reverence towards God. So this, like I said, this is the mic drop. It's over after this. He's either right or he's wrong. Nathan. Uh, Nathan. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it is an answer to a question, um, but it's not a question about, uh, Zeus or Artemis or any of the other gods that would have been wandering around the Roman world, right? I mean, you know, if you look at John chapter 14, this is part of the Last Supper, uh, John's version of it, and, you know, what the disciples are concerned with and what they ask him uh, when he tells them that where I am going, you cannot follow, is, you know, how is it that we can, you know, join you then? I mean, you know, we don't want to stop being your disciples, and his answer, you know, is that, you know, I am going to the father and they say, well, how can we get to the father? What's on the table? And boy, that was a bad pun uh, is, you know, 
Um, how is it that we can continue to live with you, Jesus? And the answer is, you know, I am the way and the truth and the life. And, you know, no one comes to the Father except by me. And so, you know, I mean, I think that, you know, had Jesus wanted to have a discourse about, you know, the different shrines that were in, you know, different places in Palestine, and they certainly did exist. Uh, you know, Sephoris is, is, you know, probably the prime example. You know, it is a medium-sized Roman city with a Roman, with a Greek-style theater. There would have been shrines to Dionysius there. Jesus, mm-hmm. at least in the Gospels, the four that we've got, doesn't really address that. So, you know, one of the things that I, I try to tell my students, because I teach the uh, world religions class at Emmanuel College, where I'm a professor, uh, is that, I mean, you know, definitely look to the places in the New Testament, and certainly Acts 17 is one of those places that talk about the gods that you encounter here and there. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, don't try to bend other passages towards that question. Uh, instead, I mean, you know, use the passages that are already addressing it. Yeah. So this is kind of a follow-up, but anyone can answer. That verse, as well as well as some others, you know, um, believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, those kind of verses often get used, even in this the bigger debate of what about that guy who's on an island who's never heard of God, worships the sun as God, and, you know, he's following love, he believes that the sun had a child, and that child came and, you know, like, he checks all the boxes, but he doesn't have the Bible. If Jesus is the only way, and he doesn't say specifically that word Jesus or Yeshua, He's doomed, right? I mean, I, I think everyone here would would say no, but why would we say no? Yes. Okay. Everyone but TJ. <laughs> I mean, it depends on if you go with the, the C.S. Lewis way of looking at it. With Was it the last battle uh, mm-hmm. in Narnia where we see a Calerman individual there who worshiped Ta- oh, was it Tash? Can you their, dig it? Their God. Yeah. The, his entire life, but he was devoting his life to the good of that. And yet at the end, he's redeemed in, in Narnia heaven at the end versus everyone else. Um, I'm not entirely sure myself to be perfectly honest with you, if I actually believe this is something that happens in the real world. So I can't really answer this question. Me either. That's why we're going to throw it to Brandon. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) It is a, it is an interesting question. And, uh, part of this, I think also depends on how, um, how Calvinistic somebody is. Cause I have heard people say uh, a similar uh, way that you took this, Josh, you know, is also the whole age of accountability or when do children, how old can a child be yeah. before they're no longer ignorant? If my son died, would he go to heaven? And I've heard very, um, very Calvinistic, very like into total depravity type of theology that, yeah, they would go to hell. Just that, that cold and i am for sure not on that level but as to how far going towards this idea of saved out of ignorance i don't know if that's necessarily the best way to say it but just you just don't know the name of jesus you just don't know yeah jesus himself you know um i don't know how far i'm able to, how far i would go to say yes or no um, you know, it's different with like going back to the passage we had at the beginning with Paul. It was different with that because 
there is a chance that these people have heard of God or have heard of Jesus or whatever. Yeah. They have heard these names. We're talking about just pure ignorance here or just pure you you haven't been exposed to this yet. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. This is a very hard. This is a hard question. And to me, this falls to me personally. This falls into the category a little bit of if we're able to solve this, then we may be God. <laughs> Like we, I think we're we are verging right, into we are verging into a territory that we're just not really going to have an answer for. So maybe optimism is the best way to go. M- more people would probably be willing to default to just pure like pessimistic. No, they're going to hell. But maybe just a little bit of optimism. Of I would like to believe so that God is benevolent enough that yeah that person could be saved if they do check yeah. all the right boxes. Yeah, for me, it falls very much into the God's ways higher than our ways. And, Mm -hmm. you know, he'll have favor on whom he'll have favor kind of stuff. Nathan, since you muddied the waters, I'm going to I'm going to throw it to you to clear the waters. Okay, yeah, I mean, I I have become over the years what I'll call a Pauline universalist. Um, So, I mean, I'll I'll go ahead and be bold and say, you know, uh, just as death entered the world through one person, so life comes through one person. And just as death comes to all, so life comes to all. Uh, it is God's, you know, uh, intent that all should come to faith. You know, that's opening passage of first Timothy. The first two were Romans. There's also passages in first Corinthians. I mean, I think that, and you know, this is the whole church podcast. So listeners, uh, you know, none of this is TJ's fault. None of this is Josh's fault. This is their weird (laughs) guest Gilmore. Um, but I think that, I mean, if you don't have, Matthew in mind, when you read Paul's letters, Paul seems to think that Jesus is actually going to save the whole world. Hmm. So in what meaningful way is Jesus responsible for salvation? Is there a way? he? Oh, I mean, he's like I said, like I just said, I think St. Paul thinks that he saves the whole world. (laughs) So, I mean, that's actually pretty meaningful contribution, I think. Uh, But yeah, I mean, you know, you look at, you know, for instance, um, you know, uh, first Corinthians, you know, chapter 15, especially, you know, where St. Paul says that, you know, I mean, in this age to come, which eventually he runs out of language to describe it and says, you know, I, oh, I wish I could remember the King James phrase for it. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> oh, cause I, no, cause it's such a, a glorious translation of, of what Paul yeah. says, but it's, it's something along the lines of, but much better than this. I, mm. I I've just run out of words. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but I mean, he does say along the way there that, I mean, you know, in the age to come, Christ will be all and will be in all. And, you know, again, uh, you know, for my money, um, not that my money buys much around here, but uh, <laughs> for my money, I mean, you know, Paul, I mean, if you read him as meaning what he writes, uh, for lack of a, a more delicate way to put it, uh, you know, actually thinks that Christ is, I mean, just super powerful. Uh, you know, and, you know, super efficacious. And in fact, you know, um, he seems to think that, you know, God will save first the Jews, the Judeans, and then all of the nations, you know, to go back to Romans. So I I, I know this wasn't supposed to be yeah. an episode about <laughs> universalism, but, you know, I mean, when, when we get into these questions, I mean, what, what I, my tendency is to start going to literally, what did Paul write? Uh, so, because I mean, when he is talking to those folks in Athens, right. In Acts 17 and quoting that poet from Crete, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, he is talking to them because he wants them to know the truth. Right. 
and I mean, you know, the, uh, the, the impulse to say, you know, I need them to know this because terrible things will happen when their hearts stop beating. If they don't grant this, I mean, if it's there in the text, it is understated in the text at most. I think it's not there in the text, but I'm, I am derailing us. Josh, take this in a different direction. I'm sorry. So uh, I'm, I'm going to stop with follow-up questions after this, TJ. I'm sorry. Um, Christian, because I know Christian is not a universalist, so I, I would like to get a couple different perspectives since this is the whole church podcast and we're doing a roundtable. Might as well take advantage. Um, what ways, you know, we talked about for, for you, Brandon and I, it's a little muddier, but in what ways, meaningful ways, does Jesus play a role in our salvation other than, you know, if you don't believe he saved everybody, what is the role? Well, he's got to show up to you at some point in time and you've got to say yes. And I know we've talked about universalism about to get the predestination and free will here. Uh, and just muddied the water is even worse than po- even we even thought possible. <laughs> but I mean, and I'm going to make it even worse by saying I believe in both predestination and free will. So take that with a grain of salt while we're at it. Yeah, me too. But, <laughs> but I mean, when I think nothing would make me happier if universalism were true and everyone eventually ended up in heaven with God, every creature. Brother, I have good news for you. Sorry, sorry. Keep <laughs> going. Keep going. I'm I'm being bad today. I am so sorry. Go, That's Christian. Okay. Go. <laughs> but I see verses. I see with you depart from me, you who practice lawlessness in Matthew, and I see um, in Romans when Paul is talking about. Uh, the, the pot, the pottery that's been cast aside to destruction. I'm forgetting the exact verse in mind. And I look and I see God said, look, I've destined these people for this thing. And then to come back and say, oh, by the way, they're still coming back at the very end. I don't buy it. Like I said, nothing would make me happier than every living person. God created in the image of God ended up in heaven at the end. But I just can't get by that. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I started practicing a, I started going to a Lutheran church and I started leaning more into this idea of a mystery and I've gotten really comfortable with just not knowing things. So for me, yes, you cannot be, for, in my opinion, you cannot be saved without the role of Jesus because of certain things that are in the text that even Jesus says about people being in the pit. I don't think everybody makes it where that line is. I have no idea and I'm okay with that. Okay, TJ, I'm done. All right. So, we want to try something new for our roundtable today. Uh, we're going to call this the Roundtable Roundup. I'm going to read out four questions so everyone knows what they are. Then we're going to go back one at a time, and each of you can answer one of the four questions. Uh, no one can respond or ask follow-up questions until after the roundup is complete. Some questions, Some questions might not get answered, so... Is everyone ready to hear these four questions? How do we make sense of, make sense of, and approach those who believe in other gods and Jesus as a god, as many Hindu believers? Should we treat religions like Taoism, Buddhism, or Confucianism that have no beliefs on whether or not there is a god or any afterlife differently than religions that teach about other gods? Should we treat other Abrahamic religions like Judaism and Islam, who have a shared history of Abraham and the Old Testament, with a higher value than other religions? And many Christians believe or treat our faith like it is just an extension of Judaism, 
Should we value the faith traditions of Judaism higher than others? I I, I can go first so that I'm not uh, causing trouble during other people's segments. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I like the question about Taoism and Buddhism and Confucianism because uh, one of the things that I've discovered uh, teaching uh, medieval literature classes especially uh, is that when you get back into the uh, 16th century and the 14th century and the 13th century and uh, especially Japanese Buddhist texts, what you get is uh, texts that are just really concerned about the afterlife, which is just the opposite of what you read in every intro to world religions textbook. Uh, so, I mean, one of the things that I've learned is some humility in the face of that. Um, it is true that in the most recent, you know, 150 years, 200 years, that neighborhood, uh, Buddhism has largely discarded these beliefs in the afterlife. But if you go back 500 years, 800 years, uh, you know, I mean, there are samurai who leave the samurai life and go join a Buddhist monastery because they're afraid they'll go to Buddhist hell because of all the killing they're doing. So, I mean, you know, uh, what what fascinates me about that is that, you know, the, the very confidence of the intro to world religion textbook runs counter to, you know, what I've discovered in actual Buddhist texts. Now, as far as that, as far as, you know, how we interact with folks in those traditions, you know, I mean, this kind of goes for a lot of uh, traditions that, that we encounter. Um, I am inclined to, you know, ask more questions than I propose answers. Uh, you know, I mean, when we talk about these traditions, I mean, often they claim us just as much as we claim them. Uh, you know, I mean, there are folks who are university educated, who have met people from different continents, maybe who have gone to different continents who can say, you know, I have seen Islam. I have seen Sufism. I have seen Zen Buddhism. And this is the one I pick. But for a lot of folks, I mean, you know, uh, you find yourself in this tradition, right? And, you know, what I want to know is, you know, what that, story is for this human being I'm talking to. And I guess the thing I'll wrap up on is, I mean, you know how irritating it is when people d say dumb things about what all Christians believe and you want to say, Oh God, no, all Christians don't believe that. Um, you know, uh, as, as the rabbis used to say, don't do unto others what you find hateful or even better. What a really good rabbi said, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. All right. So, my next victim uh, will be Christian Ashley. Uh, which question would you like to answer? Okay. I think I'm going to take the Abrahamic religions one. And my answer to that is going to be yes and no. Because, number one, if we deny the importance of Judaism, we're idiots. We are utter morons. Because without that, we are not here today as we are. God chose specifically to go to the Jews first to make them a nation out of all the peoples in the world. Didn't matter who. Could have been a Native American tribe. Could have been the Khmer. Doesn't matter. He chose them. And if we deny that fact, we're denying what he wanted and what he chose to do. Now, when it comes to Islam, well, here's your hot take. It's heresy. And I have to read and I have to study Islam to better understand it. Because guess what? There's 2 billion Christians, well, supposedly, and there's 2 billion Muslims in the world. So if I ignore that fact, then I'm denying reality. Say, well, they're, what they're doing is not important. That's two billion souls. I just said they're not important. But my mm. opening argument to them is not to say, oh, by the way, you believe heresy and you're going to hell. That's a terrible way 
to engage with that. But I have to study the importance. This Islam has been around for 1400 years. Mm -hmm. And if I don't remark on the impact that has in the world, on the teachings that they have, at least have a bare knowledge of the subject. And I meet a a Muslim and I'm talking about Jesus and I say, well, what about this? I'm not going to be very useful. Mm. Yeah. All right. Uh, Brandon Knight. Uh, I'll take Taoism for 200 TJ. So, all right. So uh, (laughs) my take, uh, I am a martial artist. So take this with a pinch of salt. Everyone else got to say that earlier. Uh, And (laughs) one concern that some Christians have when it comes to the martial arts is that it's evil because a lot of martial arts do find uh, roots and connection to Eastern mysticism philosophies. Uh, Very traditional Muay Thai is interlinked with buddhism you if you are practicing muay thai in the philippines you are a buddhist like that's that is how close Hmm. it is it's not like how it is here in the states with muay thai and mma chips anyway so i have had a 20-year background in martial arts i've been doing it as long as basically as long as i've also been a christian and i have never been in a situation where i have had to compromise my religious beliefs for an eastern practice religion uh that being said kind of as a extracurricular activity i have read some of this stuff for my own just personal growth and development specifically taoism i've done all very traditional style martial arts so again not the stuff you're learning in mma gyms um and one of them is very closely linked to taoism so i've read some of the texts i've dabbled in it dabbled a little bit in buddhism as well and What I found interesting is um, similar to what has been mentioned earlier, that you do have these aha moments of, hey, that sounds familiar. Uh, (laughs) I can't remember exactly how it was phrased in the literature I was reading. But, um, you know, when we often think about meditation from the Eastern practices, we think of the empty your mind, let anything come in type of perspective. But from what I was reading in Taoism, it has actually, there are elements of it that sound very similar to the Christian viewpoint of meditation of, you know, not just empty your mind and let anything come in, but be very focused on a thing and chew it over and think it over and turn it over and keep going over it until you have essentially mastered it in your mind type of an idea. Um, There's also a lot in, in there about in their teachings at least what i've gotten through on like the true self now that is something that can be taken a million different directions in new age spiritualism but i think there is an element of there is an element of this even within christianity of maybe not becoming your true self but obviously becoming like jesus that sanctification Mm -hmm. process that process of aslan removing the scales from uh eustace in Mm -hmm. voyage of the dawn treader that you know emerging into who you are as a person uh as a true human following jesus as his disciple and there is you know when you read it as it is their perspective, yes, it's going to be different in application. But there are these application point moments where you can go, huh, this is very similar to what I believe, maybe just painted a different color. And it, 
in all of this, whether we're talking about Taoism, Confucianism, Buddhism, any of the other religions, we are deceiving ourselves if we're just going to continue to think, well, that's over in Japan. That's over in China. That's over in Iran. Like we live in a very diverse country now. You're going to run into somebody, somebody who may even look just like you that believes some combination of this and other things as well. So, again, just coming back to what I was talking about earlier at the top of the episode, like we we need to better educate ourselves. We need to wade in the waters a little bit. Christians need to stop yelling evil at everything <laughs> and actually spend some time in the text because it's a small world after all. You're going to run into somebody who thinks <laughs> like this. Okay, Josh. Fire away. I'm trying to be very careful not to break the rule of responding to someone else. I would like to have said Taoism because it's like my backup religion, which is a phrase I take from C.S. Lewis, who called his backup religion Hinduism. So I'll take Hinduism. <laughs> I thought for me one of the interesting parts of it a lot of people like oh they have all these different gods whatever they believe that all of their thousands or however many they don't even know what number of gods there are which again a lot of christians just make fun of and i think that's very unhelpful but they believe it's all just one god these are all different aspects of him that have manifested in different ways which is why some hindus believe jesus is god too all of these things are god i think it's important to address it differently because if you're going in with this mindset of, oh, they believe in all these different gods and they're all wrong, and you're like, well, God's wrong, then you are partially saying that Jesus is wrong. <laughs> and I think it's actually important to say, I too believe in a God that has different facets. I believe in a trinity. And to go with it with this understanding of how they view God as having different parts and even maybe thinking of it as how like the early Jewish people in the Bible who talked about you know, Jehovah Jireh and, you know, Shahom Shalom, all of these things that are like different names of God, because even though they, that's not what they're doing, they're not doing different names, they're doing different gods that are God, confusing. It is still very much, yeah, God does have a lot of different aspects to him and a lot of them are confusing. So I think, yeah, we should handle it differently by understanding that that's not what they're saying. What they're saying is actually a lot similar to what we're saying. It's the, the, those who believe in Judaism dislike both of us for the same reason. They think we both have multiple gods. They think Christians have three gods and Hindus have thousands. It's still heresy to the Jew, you know? <laughs> so we have to be careful to kind of understand where they're coming from and then say, you know, I, I do believe God has these different aspects. But here's what I think is within the limits of God. And here's what I think is outside of the limits of God. And I, I think the important part to me that really differentiates us is the Hindu belief of there being no thing, such thing as good or bad. There are some gods that are, you know, war and death and all of these things, and some are life and love and all of these things. Whereas I do believe God has different aspects, but I believe all of those aspects are life and love and those kind of things. And humans falling from God is what caused death and sin and all of that. And focusing rather on first going to where we're the same of God having different aspects, and then going to that aspect of saying, no, 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 no. I don't believe that God is all of these things. I believe that God prefers life, and it's something we can choose. So that, that's how I think we should go about that. All right. Technically, you are now allowed to ask follow-up questions. But before that happens, I would like to encourage the audience to reach out to us and tell us how you enjoyed the Roundtable Roundup compared to what we've done in the past. Yeah, yeah. So I, I wanted to, to add a thing, <laughs> naturally, 
to to these discussions of the beliefs who don't necessarily have gods or afterlife kind of things, I just wanted to add how aggravating I find it when Christians go, oh, well, you know, my God isn't like Buddha or Muhammad. Our God died and rose again. Muhammad and Buddha aren't gods to those people. Right. Like what you right. just said is just nonsense. <laughs> <Yep>. Like, <laughs> yep. true. But if I'm remembering correctly, isn't Allah in Arabic? Doesn't that just mean God? And if you tell them Allah doesn't exist, mm-hmm. you're essentially saying you're an atheist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they that's what they call Yahweh. They believe in Yahweh. Three strikes. <laughs> well, hold up, no, 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 because because the generic term Allah and the like that's it in the Quran. So the Quran doesn't assign yes. to the Creator God a proper name the way that the Old Testament does. Mm. Say so, yes, but. Islamic people, from my understanding, Islamic people do believe in the Old Te- and New Testaments. They just don't believe that it's fully authoritative in the same way as the Quran. Right, right. So I was just trying to make the, the linguistic kind of? point, right? That, yeah. I mean, in the Quran, let me back that up. Yeah. In Genesis, you get the term Elohim, which is, you know, roughly analogous with Allah, right? Uh, which yeah. is, you know, for lack of a better term, the generic term God, right? Uh, You can talk about God or you can talk about the gods or you can talk about a God or this God or that God. Mm -hmm. What the Hebrew Bible does that the Quran doesn't is also assign, you know, Yad, Hey, Vav, Hey, you know, uh, that that gets, you know, transliterated as Jehovah or Yahweh or, you know, as a friend for mine in seminary would say, once he discovered that the oldest texts don't have verbs, (laughs) but, uh, you know, uh, you know, yes. The Quran, and now again, I don't know if in Arabic, when they translate Genesis into Arabic, whether they have a an Arabic word for, but, you know, uh, I know that the text of the Quran doesn't. Yeah. Well, what's also interesting, too, is they do, which is funny, a lot of Christians treat it this way. That's not what I believe, that, the, you know, the Bible itself is this super sacred thing that is also, I think, that, you know, it gets wishy-washy. I'm not going to touch that, but I will say that Islamic believers do believe that the Quran, when in Arabic, is something that is particularly holy when it's in its original language. Oh, absolutely. It's always interesting. So the term Allah, even though it just means God, still has a different significance. Right, right. Uh, But for instance, I mean, and again, just to give an example, and again, I realize I'm belaboring the linguistic point, but it's an important one. But I mean, when, you know, the Quran says, you know, you mortal do not worship any other God, it is do not worship any other Allah. So, I mean, (laughs) linguistically, now in context, obviously there's a distinction, but linguistically it's the same word. So wait, Josh, you're telling me we can talk about universalism (laughs) and predestination, but not the inerrancy of scripture? What kind of show is this? Yes. We can discuss the inerrancy of scripture. (laughs) I think the the thing that's that's harder for me to discuss is this sense that God is the word, especially since when that was written, the word wasn't canonized. So what did we mean by that? It's very up in the air for me. And and also the Greek noun logos means about four or five different things in the New yeah. Testament, because as, as it turns very out, goodness. God didn't invent a new language for the New Testament. God just used Greek, which was already kind of lying around waiting for Remind someone to, to use tell it. my Greek prof that. Yo, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. that's great. Well, that's great. No, one, but, one interesting thing, though, Josh, about your point about Hinduism is that, you know, I mean, until the British Empire, there was no such thing as Hinduism. 
And what I mean by that is, you know, there was the Vedantic tradition and there was the Mahabharata and there were shrines and there were all these sorts of things. And the British, because they wanted it to resemble Islam and Christianity and Judaism, they said that, you know, it is this singular thing and that singular thing is called Hinduism. Kind of retconned it for them. <laughs> yeah, well, I have, I, that is a great term for it. I've never used that term for it, but when yeah. I teach world religions now, that's part of my lesson plan. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the ret, the great retcon of Hinduism. <laughs> the great retcon. Oh, Christianity is one of the very few religions that their Bible is completely founded, true, inerrancy that Christian was talking about. You know, most other religions don't believe that. You're not going to find Taoists who believe that their text is inerrant and literal that's yeah, just can, not a thing you can cherry pick some other <laughs> yeah you can cherry pick especially like with something like Taoism, where it's almost like a almost more like a philosophy than anything else where uh yeah you can you can cherry pick elements of it yeah yeah a lot from my understanding a lot of people in like china and like the eastern part of the world do this where they're like well I i'm confucianist in these aspects Taoist in these aspects but you know i do believe in god and you know they're like right. they just kind of well, and, and some of them will also have household exclusive. gods, you know, like you, the, yeah. the sort that you associate with the Roman Empire or something like that, right? So, I mean, you know, one of the things that, you know, I, I, I teach in my world religions class is that the concept of a religion, and more specifically, the concept of religions in the plural, is very much a product of European imperialism. And, you know, the yeah. idea is that, well, I mean, everyone shocking. must have an Islam or a Christianity, right? So, I mean, you know, what happens is all of these Vedantic and Shinto and Sufi and, you know, all of these tra tra traditions, pardon me, get shoehorned into, okay, well, you know, this is their belief, this is their ritual, this is their this, this is their that. And, you know, basically it is to make, <laughs> how to put this, make sure that everyone who's not from Europe has some kind of Islam that we can convert yeah. them away from. Yeah. Well, and that's where a lot of Christians end up looking foolish too. When we're talking about like the scripture of things is how often it's like we go and, for example, attack the Quran and point all these plot holes in it where, because to us, our Bible has to be, you know, literally true and factual. And we are very, you know, Western minded about it. Whereas most Islamic believers that from my understanding, they don't think of their Bible that they don't think of the Quran that way. They think of it as something that feels true. What the feeling you get out of it is what is true, not necessarily the words. So you're attacking the words and they're going, okay, <laughs> you know, like, all right, <laughs> no biggie. Yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, honestly, I mean, in that respect, I mean, you know, we have a, a very deep kinship with Islam because of course there are Christians who say, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, I like the ethical teachings of Jesus, but you know, uh, this whole transubstantiation with communion thing, I can't do right um, I, that, that was John Adams, but you know, the, uh, you know, other things, uh, you know, there's a great variety in all of these traditions. Right. And again, you know, I, I realize I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of railroading this with my own little agenda here, but one of the things that has really revolutionized the way that I have conversations with people who, you know, practice Buddhism, people who, you know, take part in a Hindu life, uh, people who are Muslims, right is to realize that, I mean, until I have studied the history with some depth, uh, what I'm getting is probably good information, but it is information without context 
And therefore, it stands to be dangerous in ways that any kind of information without context stands to be dangerous. Yeah, I, um, yes. <laughs> I wanted to, while we're on this note, and I'm changing up our outline some as we go now, um, I think what's particularly hard, because we're talking about the scriptures being different, how we view God or not God being different, inerrancy being different without different religions. How do those of us who are Christian, how do we go about witnessing when we have kind of a more, not necessarily Nathan, but a lot of us have a more exclusive religion, and we're trying to witness to a lot of these people who have a much more inclusive religion. You know, I tell a Hindu about Jesus being God. It's like, okay, cool. I'll add him to the list. <laughs> you know, it's like, how do I, how do I witness when that's kind of the mindset of a lot of people that we're talking to? Um, Christian. Yeah, sure. I mean, you started off this podcast perfectly with Acts 17. You've got to meet your audience where they're at. And the, the philosophers at Athens had all these idols all over the place of various gods and even to the unknown God, just so they were covering their bases. So Paul recognized his surroundings, then included that in his message while still preaching Christ crucified at the end of the day. So we have to do the same. Like if I'm talking to a Muslim and I have to bring up, you know, the chapter Al-Anbiya, I'd better know what that chapter is about. Like I can't just come up and say, oh, well, I know all this about Christianity. I'm not going to care about what you believe. That's just not how it works. Yeah. And if I could just tag team with, with Christian there, I mean, what's even cooler is that after Paul visits all of these shrines around Athens, including the shrine to Theos Agnostos, which is one of the first Greek phrases I could actually recognize in Acts. So I, I remember that one well, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> then he has conversations with Stoics uh, who believe that, you know, all of the traditional gods are basically bunk and that, you know, what we have is a divine principle, a divine logos that a spark of which is inside of each of us, but it's not a personality the way that Zeus or the way that, you know, Hashem is a personality. And then with Epicureans who basically say that, you know, um, there might be gods, there might not be gods, but if there are gods, they are perfectly happy. And concerning yourself with this world of death and disease is, you know, pretty much unhappy. So if there are gods, they don't care anything about us. So, I mean, you know, uh, that 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 Acts 17 text is so rich mm. because St. Paul really does interact with this just gloriously broad spectrum of different attitudes towards God. Mm. Yeah, I, I would say, you know, we, we really have covered the base here on this. Um, you know, Paul, again, coming back to this main theme of Paul just didn't go to these people and say, can I tell you about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Like there was there was intentionality <laughs> behind how Paul Paul met each one of these groups where they were at. I think a lot of time in American Christianity, maybe not singling out any particular one because we're many of us are guilty of doing this. <laughs> it's like we have our Romans road checklist and you you go through the Romans road and then you say the Lord's. The, the sinner's prayer or whatever that thing is called. And then they are saved. Like we have a very copy control C control V type of approach when it comes to evangelism and to apologetics, which apologetics really isn't like soul winning in evangelism. Apologetics is <laughs> kind of a different thing. And then there's also this stuff over here. Uh, a lot of classes I've taken on the subject, like probably married the two a little bit more than they need to. Anyway, um, yeah. but what we actually see in, perfectly from the example of Paul 
is this idea of meeting people where they are at and actually dialoguing with them, still standing for his faith, still standing for his convictions, still yeah. getting around to Jesus, but not trying to compromise things, but actually still bringing a little bit of value to, okay, you believe this, you believe this, let's talk about this and get to down the road. Let me introduce you to the unknown God and we'll go from there. Hmm. Christian. Well, just the chapter before this, when there's the earthquake in the jail and the, the guard is about to kill himself because he thinks they've all escaped. What does Paul say to him to stop himself from killing himself? Say, hey, hold on there. Let's talk about a little baby that was born in the manger in Bethlehem. He doesn't open it up like that. He goes, <laughs> don't kill yourself. We're still here. Yeah. It's okay to not open up immediately with the story of the gospel. Yeah. Bring yourself there eventually. But know where your audience is at. And it's a bit of an extreme example, but still it helps us like imagine how silly it would have been if he'd said, okay, look, so, you know, however many thousands of millions of years ago, depending on who you believe, you know, God created the heavens and the earth. And it's like, no, that's an awful thing to say. Like this man needs help. And the best thing you can do right now is to say, don't harm yourself. Yeah, Paul like we're we're making a big deal out of what is actually like public speaking 101 know your audience like read the room y'all this is this <laughs> yeah. we're, it, it 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 does make a difference clearly as paul is demonstrating throughout the book of acts but like it's also not that difficult it's not that complicated just just like slow down and read the room a little bit and we'll get to jesus okay Right, right. And yeah. and to, to piggyback on what Brandon said earlier about, you know, the, the fear of adopting, you know, quote unquote, Eastern practices, right? I mean, you know, mm -hmm. it reminds me that Christianity at its root in the person of Jesus is a, a faith that, you know, borrows stuff from other traditions, right? I mean, you know, we've got an Aramaic speaking savior who gets written about in Greek using the languages of, you know, or using the vocabularies, pardon me, of mythology and of philosophy and of all sorts of other things. Uh, you know, I mean, fact of the matter is, I mean, you know, if you try to pare away all of the so-called, and this is actually, I probably should use this for my pet peeve later, but that, that's for patrons. So you, if you want the full version, you got to subscribe, but you know, Wait a uh, well, you know, when, when, you know, if we tried to pare away everything that is cultural from Jesus, we would have nothing left. So, I mean, you know, what we are looking at, what's important is, you know, I mean, how does Jesus redeem that which cultivates us, right? Everything is culture. How does Jesus redeem that? Yeah. So before we, before TJ gets to some of our last questions, um, Nathan, this is specifically to you because we've kind of been talking around that universalist thing that you mentioned earlier. Um, is there a way, like for, for you, is it important that people believe in Jesus? I guess that's Absolutely. just the straightforward part. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Because uh, Jesus is the one who frees us from the powers and principalities of this present darkness. So, I mean, you know, for mm -hmm. someone to become a disciple of Jesus and a witness to the gospel of Jesus means that that person has a human freedom that doesn't exist except that Jesus sets us free. So, I mean, you know... My, my, my conviction is still that in the age to come, and again, I, I'm getting this largely from St. Paul, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, just as sin and death came into the world through one person, 
and extends to all. So likewise, life comes into the world through one person, extends through all. But in the meantime, while we are still here between the times, uh, it is absolutely a gift for someone to disciple you in this way of being human that we call Christianity. And, you know, uh, are there certain modes of Christianity that, you know, dehumanize us? Yeah. I mean, I've studied history and I try to be reflective about myself. Uh, but I, my conviction is still that, uh, to the extent that, you know, we actually move with Jesus when Jesus tries to get us out of the way, uh, then, you know, we really are offering real liberty to people and that's important. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, it makes you feel any better. I've been accused of being universalist light uh, <laughs> just because <laughs> I still believe, you know, you have to have Jesus to to reach that whole salvation thing. And I think there's a meaningful part of your act in accepting salvation. But I think we tend to underestimate the the width and expansion of mercy, I guess. I think yeah, and, and I guess th- this is my, yeah, this is I the like most Lutheran doing. part of me, is that I think it's Christ that does all the saving. Yes. Amen. Verily, verily. <laughs> All right. So well, well, with that said, Luther is the uh, the main bad guy in my doctoral dissertation. So I should say that that is the uh, most Lutheran part of me. Uh, <laughs> ish. <laughs> I want to read that. OK, TJ, get us back on track. <laughs> so can it be dangerous to learn about false beliefs or to practice religious acts from another belief system that isn't Christianity? Christian? Yeah, yoga's bad. <laughs> Shut up. Moving on. <laughs> yeah. It can be, but first you have to know yourself. I can't remember the exact Sun Tzu quote, but know yourself, know your enemy. You'll never be uh, captured in a thousand battles or something like that. I completely butchered that, but it's the same premise of what am I susceptible to that maybe this religion says is okay. Well, maybe I shouldn't explore that just yet. Let me work on that first and then explore it a little more. Like it's okay to learn about other religions. It's okay to debate was, oh no, Zoroastrianism has so many close parallels to Christianity and Judaism. Could one have ripped off the other? It's like, it's okay to study that and then to wrestle with that. Don't worry about doubting. It's okay. We've said it before. It's okay to doubt within reason. If it's not affecting yourself and the people around you, doubting is good. If it's not, seek help, ask questions, have people around you willing to look out for you. Same thing with this. It's okay to look into other religions. But at the end of the day, Christ is the answer. Mm, yeah. Uh, Josh, what do you think? <laughs> I, um, I'm going to tell a story. No, so there's, there's this painting that I think is really powerful that you see usually in more Eastern contexts of three men who are all tasting vinegar. And one man's making a really sour face because, oh, this is sour. And then, you know, another face is looking angry. This is bitter. And then the other one's just smiling. And the way it goes is the one that's smiling is um, Dao. What, what's the guy's name? Why can't I think of his name right now? Oh, Lao Tzu. Lao Tzu. Yeah, he's smiling because you know he's the one who started Taoism. He's like, ah, this vinegar—it's bitter. It tastes just like vinegar, like it should. And he's happy that it is what it is supposed to be. And the Buddhist tasted and sees that it is suffering. It's bitter, and you know wants to release himself of it. And then the other one would be Confucius, who's kind of tasted and it's like this is gross we need to add something to it we got to like structure this thing and fix it 
none of them are wrong about this thing. Now, I, I personally tend to lean more into Taoism of those three because I'm like, yeah, I enjoy life for what it is because God made life. Man, there's a thing that I relate to, even though I disagree. They, the Taoist wouldn't say it's because God made life that it's good for what it is, but I still learned that thing from them. I think what I see the danger in is when we lean into these images and all these really wise sayings, and pictures and art and all these things of these other religions, if you look at all these things, you can get wrapped up, especially speaking to my other younger Americans. A lot of people are Buddhist now and my age group around me. And I think it's because we see all this why stuff and we get hooked up on all these things that are true, but we're kind of missing the forest for the trees. We're seeing all these individual truths and focusing on them because it will get you things and it'll make you progress spiritually, but you're missing the big picture. And I think that's the danger. So still look at the big picture. What did God do? How is, you know, what is the overarching arc of the universe's story that I believe is love that is God and Jesus Look at that first. I don't think there's a problem if you see the trees, but you gotta you gotta see the forest first. Okay. Yeah, and I'll, I'll go in a, a oh. predictable di- direction on this and say that you know uh, I think that it is logically possible. I'll go ahead and say that it's a a real historical possibility that a Protestant from Indiana, uh, you know, studies the Quran so closely, which by the way I haven't. I've read through it once. Um, you know that I become functionally indistinguishable from a Muslim and therefore I, I lose Christian identity. Is that possible? Sure it is. How likely is it? Not very. Uh, you know, so I mean, for me, I mean, the, the syncretism that I worry more about than I worry about Taoist synchronism or syncretism, pardon me, or, you know, um, Yoruba syncretism, you know, Santeria and whatnot or whatever else uh, is, I mean, syncretism with that religion called America, you know, I mean, there are certain things that, uh, just come very naturally to me. I mean, every time I'm at a minor league baseball game and they start playing the national anthem, I ritually take off my hat and place it over my heart. And I'm thinking, okay, you know, uh, am I instinctively moved to kneel at the five times of prayer? Nah. Uh, am I instinctively moved to, you know, uh, honor the Shinto that are, you know, around my household. Nah. <laughs> you know, I mean, if you're talking about, yeah. you know, blending spiritual, I, I'm going to call them spiritual influences. Uh, it's America. That's the most likely to blend with my Christianity. I mean, that's the one that I really have to work at in order to, yeah. you know, figure out where the America ends and where the Christianity begins. Yeah. I made a joke about yoga earlier. And and I think this kind of builds on what you're saying. For the, for the most part, I don't think a Christian is going to start doing yoga and all of a sudden start worshiping Hindu gods or God, depending, you know, what kind of language you want to use there. Depending on which text you're reading. And forget who Jesus is or any of that, right? Like, I, I don't think that's what's going to happen. I, I think if that does happen, then that's a problem. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if you start doing yoga and find yourself no longer thinking about Jesus and only thinking about the Hindu gods. Okay, well, I, I guess that's an issue. But for the most part, I think if, you, if you're if you leaning into yoga, you're learning the spiritual practices and using that to meditate more on what you believe about God and the universe and all that, I think that's a good thing. And I think too many Protestants seem to view God as very, very weak and that at any study of another religion at all is going to make you lose faith because they're clearly all better than ours. I mean, that's not what they say, but that's sort of how they act. <laughs> sort of how they act. 
Yeah, and and you know, just to just to keep beating my drum here, I think it's a far greater danger that uh, someone starts singing "God Bless America," and we stop having a problem with American wars. Yeah, definitely. Just for like two minutes, you know. Just for like two. Well, minutes. you know, you know. Just the songs over. <laughs> I, I go to a lot. I, I'll tell you what, TJ. I go to a lot of minor league baseball games, so I hear that song a lot. It, it, a lot it, of two minutes. <laughs> no, I mean what what it, what bugs me, and that see now now I'm I'm, I'm giving all my pet peeves away before we actually uh, get to hold, the patron part. <laughs> but uh, God bless America has like been tacked on to take me out to the ball game as a sort of second national anthem during the seventh inning stretch, and it just it bugs me. It bugs me. Listen, if God brought me a hot dog at the ball game, I would appreciate it. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to come at this from like a very maybe a little bit more of a negative standpoint only because there's a form of religion that a religious category that we haven't even touched on. And that is cults. Um, I have a thing for learning about cults. I just recently watched a documentary on Jonestown. Um, This has been like a new hobby of mine within the past two years or so. And I, you know, what was the word? Nathan used it earlier syncretism right yeah syncretism syncretism right right. so this is like you know the big buzzword would you mind you know taking a moment and explaining to the audience what is syncretism just like real quick sure sure I mean you know it's a it's a compound Greek word as are so many really cool words and it means that uh you know together two things are seizing your soul right Mm. so I mean you know uh Christianity and also Santeria or Christianity Mm. and Hinduism or You know, if you listen to me for long enough, Christianity and America. Sure. So a lot of times with syncretism, that's what we talk about. It's like what we've been discussing is like Christianity and America or Christianity and all these other guys we've been discussing earlier. And not every cult that we have, not every cult that has been like popular in America, but many of them is syncretism like 101. And a great example of that would be Heaven's Gate, where you have this very apocalyptic version of Christianity meshed with new age spiritualism and UFOlogy, or you have something like Jonestown, which is very much this like Pentecostal liberation theology. Nope, disciples and- of Christ. It's my church tradition. <laughs> that, that, that is our most famous uh, disciples of Christ pastor, unfortunately. So I've got to claim that one. You got to claim that one. <laughs> Own it, man. <laughs> I am. But yeah, or you have something like QAnon, you know, that is very much like this America, Christianity, Donald Trump's the savior of the world, secret, every other thing, or even like the remnant church down in Tennessee, where you have uh, where Gwen Shamblin started this church that was all um, it depends on who you ask whether or not they actually fall in the cult category, but they made this made it this blend of Christianity and weight loss was like your biggest way of showing your sanctification. It's a whole thing. Wow. You guys are really giving me looks on this one. Yeah. HBO max. If you got HBO max, go check that one out. Um, So it does happen. I guess this is the point I'm getting to is that it does happen in very extreme cases in very um, oftentimes very sad conclusions that these, these types of, Things do happen. People do get deceived into a form of syncretism. Um, so yes, it is. It it can happen. It could happen in a very bad way. But for the most part, at least with the stuff we have been discussing, those aren't the culprits. 
those aren't the things that are being blended together that are causing the downfall. It's a perversion of Christianity to begin with, in most cases, that also mm. brings in together American values or everyone's smiling. They must be able to hear my kid. Uh, it brings in together American values or, um, yeah, just these other teachings that's mm -hmm. like, this is way out of left field. We're not even talking about major religions of the world. We're talking about way out of left field things. Yeah. Brandon's kid is adorable. Also, <laughs> yeah, no, no, I agree. And if everybody's wondering what the next round table discussion will be, how is the church different from a cult? Here we go. Um, <laughs> Dude, that's actually an episode I'm planning for my seminary life in April. So... I don't know when we'll this episode is coming out, so we'll have to we'll have to <laughs> run it twice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but speaking of HBO Max, also episode eight of The Last of Us is a fantastic example. <laughs> Usually, if someone's telling you that they are your redemption or anything like that, that's a huge red flag. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Great way of also showing people who will take advantage of something inherently good for their own purposes. Yeah. Yep. Well, and much much like. The the enemy, you know, when you when we're talking about the enemy and you look at the New Testament, it's usually talking about the Lucifer or demons or basically Christian baddies. You don't usually see the bad guy being. Then Zeus came up and man, that was a tough one for me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> oh man. By the way, I knew a guy at work who worshipped Odin, like legitimately. He was an Odinist. I'm just gonna set that one right there. Ah, uh, neo pagans. They are a fun lot. He was a cool guy. Yeah, like, I don't know, like, but that's I, a, I feel like I shouldn't say that's awesome because, like, that's wrong of me, right? <laughs> but that's actually yeah. another thing to go along with this ongoing conversation we've been having of, like, hey, there's these moments where things actually sound pretty similar. When you get into, I think they're Holy Texas, the Haval, because I had a thousand questions to ask yeah. him. Um, <laughs> you know, obviously, there's the whole Valhalla stuff and how you get into Valhalla. But he was telling me that a lot of the teachings of their holy book is be a good neighbor take care of your friend mm -hmm. who's had a little too much to drink and like you know be respectful of travelers like that's okay 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 Brandon, you got me curious one. now what what do they claim as their holy book <laughs> i think it's i think it's called the haval i could be pronouncing okay that all right wrong. all right yeah, yeah yeah as a as a lithuanian uh in some Lithuania media spaces, I've become partially familiar with the Neo-Pagans. Uh, very interesting group. This is the most lost in any of our conversations I think I've ever been. Okay, so everybody, what is one practical action our listeners can take that would <laughs> help the church better relate to those of other faith traditions in our local community? You're all going to get a turn. Stop raising your hand. <laughs> I'm going to do this alphabetically. <laughs> Christian Ashley... <laughs> By last right. two answers question. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. So we've discussed a lot of world religions out there this day. If there was a moment that in this recording that said, I don't know anything about Buddhism or Hinduism or what have you that we've mentioned, guess what? Most of them were written over a thousand years ago. You know what that means? The texts are all in the public domain. So you can do whatever the heck you want with them. You can print yeah. them off and no one can stop you. <laughs> Research them. Great stuff. TJ Blackwell. <laughs> no. So this is a tough question. And I think we started almost started the show with the answer that I think would be the most beneficial. Mm -hmm. 
uh, which is visit a mosque or synagogue or a, maybe not like a, a shrine yeah maybe not a not not a neo-pagan shrine i'm not sure that would be helpful but if there's one available <laughs> to you check it out yeah all right nathan gilmore <laughs> um take a muslim to lunch and you know ask them to tell their story and also be sure that you do a little bit of reading ahead of time so that your lunch order doesn't start a new sepoy rebellion yeah. and if you don't know what a sepoy rebellion is go look that up too mm-hmm. yeah also you baptist listening you're welcome for your next program name take a muslim to lunch <laughs> <laughs> it just sounds like the name of like a program doesn't it, it? sure does <laughs> all right brandon knight <laughs> um I'm going to piggyback a little bit off of Christian. Uh, as you are printing off stuff off of the public domain, I'm going to specifically call out, like I talked about earlier, Taoism, Buddhism, all of those. Because what's cool about, you, you get this when you get into most religions, um, but what's cool about those or doing the martial arts is that you also get a taste of the culture a lot as well. A very general one to varying degrees, but just from the not only are you educating yourself informationally, but experientially as, as well. That's that's the angle I'm going to take with this, is that as you get into these, you can experience to different degrees a different culture, and that's healthy. Yeah. Ah, and Noel is the last of this. <laughs> uh, last of us. Ha! Um, so I, um, I, I'm going to, to add on here. Usually, you hear a lot of times on the show... The, the practical thing is go talk to somebody who disagrees with you, whatever that. I'm going to say my practical action is going to be shut up more often. Stop assuming things and saying them. Stop saying, oh, you worship the god Buddha. You guys think this, but your god didn't die for you. That's just so stupid. Please stop. Just stop assuming things. Stop talking. Ask questions and listen. And shut up. That's my practical action. Jo- Josh, you can't be old enough to remember Audio Adrenaline, can you? I, I was right. oh, the name. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. I, uh, <laughs> I remember no, 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 Audio you, Joe. You, I hope you, he does. <laughs> you, you, you keep you keep saying, you know, your God is Buddha, and I'm like, oh my gosh. I mean, this this is that insufferable audio adrenaline track <laughs> from 1994 oh, man. that I will not, uh, you know, recite any of here because it really is just terrible. The amount of pastors I've heard get up and say, I've studied all the religions, and let me tell you. Buddha didn't die for their sins, and this God didn't die for their sins, and this. And I'm like, okay, well, if you studied all religions, you did a terrible job. I'm giving you an F. You failed. I'm giving you an F. Your religion class failed. <laughs> um, it just, it, it aggravates me to no end. I'm trying not to do a pet peeve in the middle of our episode, but it really does aggravate me. Um, part of what I went to college for was world religion. <laughs> because of Indiana Jones, I want to do archaeology and, and go dig up other religious things. And, you know, I ended up not doing that. I changed my mind a lot in college. But yeah, something I'm passionate about. All right. So before we wrap up, we like to ask everyone uh, to share a moment in their lives recently where they saw God, whether that be a moment of worship, a blessing, challenge. Could be anything. And uh, I will go in reverse alphabetical order. Mm, Joshua Knoll. <laughs> they have a God I, moment for us. Yeah. Yeah. I had a lot. Um, because world religion is something I'm very passionate about. This was, this was one of them. I could have made this episode so much longer, but TJ was already aggravated. Um, but I'll, I'll use my God moment because earlier Nathan was talking about Christ in all things and all of that. I was, I did a 25 mile hike last Sunday, my first hike of the year. It was a lot of fun. And 
at one point, you know, it's it's early March, so everything's just now budding. Things are just now turning green. So just kind of observing that, taking the time to like, I know this is weird, but I like to touch it. <laughs> I like to touch the tree, like look at it. And I'm like very one with nature kind of guy. I'm kind of a hippie sometimes when I go hiking. And there was a moment where when I needed to take a break, which I took my breaks based off when my dog started whining because he was tired. And I laid down. I read a comic book. If you're wondering, it was the first dark webs of the issue. And when I was done, I laid there and I was just thinking and contemplating about things for a while. Of You know, if I had a clone, would it have a soul? Would it go to hell? Those kind of things, because I was reading Dark Web. And then I started contemplating how God is in all of this, you know, seeing the new life and all the things and thinking of the imminence of God. And then thinking about how God's not just in all things, but he's also over all things. He's transcendent and just kind of kind of contemplating what it means that I'm surrounded by God and also able to talk to him as someone who's transcending all things. It was just a, I don't know, it was a very spiritual, fun moment. Christian Ashley's God moment is he was challenged how much he hates the dark web comics. I was about to say, I don't know if I should save this for comic book catch up for a systematic ecology, Patreon, but uh, I'm so sorry you had to suffer through one of the worst Spider-Man crossovers of all time. And I say that I as the number one so Spider-Man much. fan. <laughs> yeah, I, of course you did. No, I'm muting myself. <laughs> all right. Uh, Brandon Knight, do you have a God moment for us? Before I say this, I do like how Systematic Ecology ha- now has two Spider-Men on the show. That's pretty cool. Very multiverse. Anyway, um, so I, I did allude to this earlier, but at, at the recording of this episode, I finished seminary three days ago. I turned in my final paper. So it's been nice to, you know, that evening I turned in my paper. We went to a church chili chick chili cook-off and got to see them this was one of the churches i preach at they always invite us out to be just to come hang out with them and uh we got home we turned on brooklyn 99 and i was just sitting on the couch like i feel like i should be doing something but there's literally nothing for me to do right now so it's it's already just been a breath of fresh air of not having a paper looming over my head of okay i can go out with my wife and have a good evening or I can turn in a paper on time. Like I haven't had to make those decisions and it's been nice. My final paper was on how the Christian church can love the LGBTQ plus community. And so that was a, that was a good growing experience for me um, to wrestling with stuff in my own life, wrestling with a very heated topical discussion that is always going to exist in my opinion, or at least for a very long time. And so, um, so yeah, just being able to see God in rest, being able to see God in the end of something and being able to see God in difficult theological discussions. So that's me. Awesome. Uh, Dr. Nathan Gilmore. Do you have a God moment for us? I do indeed. Uh, today, as we record, so it'll be a little bit in the past when this uh, <laughs> when this episode goes public, is my son Micah's 18th birthday. Uh, so, I mean, you know, I uh, he, of course, you know, is, is entering into a new stage of life, getting ready to go to college, doing all that kind of good stuff. Um, you know, I am now the father of a legal adult, uh, which, you know, well, that my, 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 I, I just. 17 hairs just turned gray saying that out loud. Uh, but you know, uh, it's good. It's good. I mean, you know, uh, Kurt Vonnegut once wrote that, uh, getting old is like being a time traveler. Uh, you know, I've been to the future now and it turns out all right. So you're the doctor. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, you know, what makes me feel old of all things? 
I had this one kid at camp when I was a camp counselor, and now he's the adult on my podcast. He's the one that's responsible. <laughs> it's wild. You know, we're all technically time travelers. We're all constantly traveling through time at a constant rate. Uh, so for me, my God moment, <laughs> uh, I was driving down the road the other day, and uh, I thought it was just there was some insane woman driving next to me, uh, banging on her window, waving her arms trying to get my attention and and she was just trying to warn me that my back right tire was flat which i knew but isn't it nice to see people who care about complete strangers enough to tell them like hey your tire is flat you might kill a bunch of people so i'm very thankful for that uh, the fact that people are still kind enough to go to such lengths to get a stranger's attention Hmm. did you ever get your tire fixed no i'm just going to put air in it forever yeah. That's a, that's that adds up. I did that, and then my tire got shredded. <laughs> and then you got a new tire. Sounds right. And I get new tires. <laughs> All right. So, Christian, Ashley, last not least, do you have a God moment for us this week? Well, I'm sure people are tired of hearing it, but I'm going to cheat like I always do and do more than one. And my first one... <laughs> is that for the past couple of years, I've had to use a CPAP because I'm dying and old. It's just yeah. how it is. But my the mask on my seal broke and the hose wasn't fitting in anymore. So I had to send out a bunch of money to get new parts. I'm no longer under insurance. That cost a lot more than I'm ready to pay right now. However, when I mentioned this, at every class that we have here at the seminary, we always pray beforehand. And we were asking for prayer requests. And I said this, mentioned this, and a professor blew my mind and said, hey, uh, are you on Venmo? I was like, uh, yes. All right, here, I'm going to give you something. Everyone else here, if you feel led to give some money to this man to help replace uh, the money he lost for wow. his parts. I was like, oh, Praise I God. was immensely blown away by the the ability of people to care about someone. Like, I barely talked to anyone in class because I'm just <laughs> one of those people. Yeah, But it, it was a very huge God moment to me to see how he can care through for me through other people. Uh, the other one, we lost power here in Louisville for a couple of days. We had a major storm come through. So I lost power except for one outlet. And the only wow. outlet uh, that I didn't lose was the one where my refrigerator and freezer were set up. So I right would on. have lost a ton <laughs> of food and a ton of money Man. if that one outlet was not working. So I'm extremely grateful for God for that. I was able to record two with Joshua and paying for an episode on One Piece we're doing later on. Uh, that wouldn't have been possible if that one outlet out of the four I have didn't work, man. And then a smaller one. Go ahead. I say I need everybody to help me for a second. Uh, the Lord is good all the time and all the time. The, the Lord, Lord is good. good. The Lord is good, except for that Job <laughs> thing. <laughs> except for that Job thing. Yeah, you don't hear that part at the Baptist church, do you? It's like one guy in the back, except for Job. By, by the way, the, 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 this, is, this is why my Christian college students always look my way. Because I'm, I'm always liable to say something. I'm always liable to say something. Wow. And my last my new one God moment is that joke. My last one I swear is I'm going up to Chicago this weekend with my dad to go see my brother and sister-in-law as uh, we're getting things ready for baby of indeterminate gender because these little twerps won't let us know until the day of. So prayers, prayers for them to open up and be honest, but also for us to love them and help them as, you know, delivery is always a very harsh thing sometimes. So 
Yeah. Smooth the, weather, possible. the weather's it's pretty nice up here, Christian. You're coming in at a good time. We had a snowstorm awesome. last week. Oh, God. <laughs> Something I should probably leave for our patrons, but information I'm going to offer freely. My parents thought that I was going to be a baby girl pretty much up until birth. The only one who bought boy clothes was my dad. As he bet against everybody and said that God loved him too much. He grew up with six sisters and he was going to have a boy. <laughs> my dad did it. <laughs> Man, what a life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, if you enjoyed, if you're here, actually, still, uh, for this whole church super episode, uh, please consider sharing it with a friend or a cousin, if uh, an enemy, if you know anybody who will listen to this entire episode, show it to them. Yeah. And, uh, Come to our convention. We're going to have food trucks, awesome guest speakers. It's going to be in Chapel Hill now. Uh, bit inconvenient for some of you, but uh, I'll rent a bus and we'll all go together, you know? So you know I think everyone here, but except for maybe Nathan, is going to be there. Also, yeah, Nathan, Nathan, you're welcome us. to come. <laughs> I, I thank you for the invitation. I, I, I probably will be teaching, but I do appreciate the yeah. invitation. Yeah. Yeah. I can get somebody to cover your days. <laughs> oh man well guys also if you want to hear us we've mentioned it a lot we have another show where we talk about the intersection of faith and fandom systematic geekology you can go to systematicgeekology.org you'll hear from me tj and christian i'll have tabs under the host over there um brandon's gonna guess on a couple episodes soon we're gonna be talking about ints i'm back baby arbor day <laughs> let's go i just like talking about ints or the rings i my lord of the rings fan <laughs> <laughs> I like Lord. Come back next week when we will be starting a mini series on church liturgy and church services, starting with Brandon Knight. Then later with popular return <laughs> guests like Pastor Will of the Lutheran Church, Father Jonathan Resmini from Holy Trinity Orthodox Cathedral, and Reverend Kino Kennedy from the AME Zion Tradition. After that, we will have a couple of live recordings from our upcoming convention. And then finally, at the end of season one, Francis Chan will be joining us. Yeah, he doesn't know, I don't think. If he listened to an hour and a half of this, he'll find out. He better have done that. Francis Chan is formally invited to be on the podcast. Yeah. yeah. We're coming for you, Francis. Francis. <laughs> okay. Oh, man. With the chupacabra. Full circle. Send us home. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Whole Church Podcast. Remember, you can always support the show at patreon.com forward slash the Whole Church Podcast. We'll also get extra discounts for our upcoming convention where you can meet us and worship with people from several different languages and denominations in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Come back next week where we will be starting a new series about church services and church liturgy with Brandon Knight.